Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5. And the book of Psalms is a great place to go if you're dealing with trouble. The book of Psalms is a great place to go if you're dealing with the difficulties of life. Last week, we dealt with David and the expressions of his heart. Today, we're dealing with another writer in the book of Psalm, Psalm 42 and 1. The writer starts off by saying, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you. Now, this word long in this scripture speaks to desire in the state of exhaustion. This is more than someone just wanting a drink of water. This is someone who is so exhausted, so parched, that they are seeking out water. The interesting thing about deers is that deers actually are very efficient when it comes to water. They can literally drink water and internally recycle water so they last longer. So you know something's up when a deer is panting for water. That deer has gotten to the point where they can find water in no other place. So they are seeking a place where they can water themselves and where they can drink. That word long speaks to a desire, a desperation to get to water. It's not just that you're thirsty. You are dehydrated when you long for water. You need water desperately. And the writer is saying, as the deer panted, as it longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. The writer continues in verse number two to say, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? In other words, when can I go and formally worship the living God? He's saying, I'm so thirsty for an encounter with the Lord, I just can't wait till the next time that I'm formally in his presence. I thirst for God, not the dead God, but the living God. I need you to understand that you serve a living God. You serve a God who is not dead. He is alive. He hears from his people and he responds to his people. The writer is saying, I am longing to get into the presence of the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Look at verse 3. Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Is there anybody here in this sanctuary today or watching online who have had a constant, steady diet of tears? You know, the type of crying where you wake up and because you're so heartbroken, because you're so lonely, it seems like you wake up with tears in your eyes. You go to bed with tears in your eyes. For some of you, anxiety is serving you tears for breakfast. You wake up with the problems and the issues of life weighing so heavily on you that you wake up and, and you're already stressed out and the day hasn't even started yet. For others, your medical issues are, are whipping you up tears for lunch. For a few of you, your marital problems are delivering tears for dinner. And then there are some parents in here whose concerns for your wayward children are giving you tears for an unwanted midnight snack. The problems of life can bring us to a place where tears become our portion often. Verse 3 says, day and night. 
day and night, day and night. I only have tears for food. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the struggles, the troubles, the situations that you're wrestling with, but I just sense today that there are some of you, day and night, tears, day and night, heartbreak, day and night, you're weeping because you don't know what to do. You're weeping because you don't know how to overcome. The writer says, day and night, I only have food for tears. Verse 3 continues to say, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? So not only are you dealing with your own personal doubt in the midst of this difficulty, the writer is saying that he hears the voices of his enemies questioning the power, the presence, and the priority of God. Have you ever had a thought pop into your head that challenges the goodness of God? Have you ever had someone literally in your life who said something to you to challenge the goodness of God? Thoughts or voices that say things like, if you're so blessed, then why are you still broke? If, if God is so good, then why are you going through another round of chemo? If God is so faithful, then why hasn't he fixed your marriage yet? If God is such a good father, then why is your son on his way to prison? And you may not admit it, but many times these thoughts come to us. These words come to us. And we begin to wonder whether or not God is good because of what is surrounding us. I found in my life that the voice of the enemy speaks the loudest in our times of despair. He speaks the boldest when we're at the bottom. His voice is amplified in the midst of adversity. And the question becomes, will you continue to hold on to your faith in the midst of your tears? If you continue reading in verse 4, the writer says, my heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. See, this person is a veteran when it comes to worship. He is reflecting on the days when it was easy to praise God. He's reflecting on the days when it was easy to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's saying, I used to be the person setting off the praise party. Some of you used to have a set it off anointing in the atmosphere of worship and praise. You were willing to get in the midst of the praise and you would bring your own praise and it wasn't hard for you to lift your hands and worship. Sometimes here at New Vision, there's a praise party that breaks out and I always see the boldest people step out of those chairs and get in line or march around the sanctuary. Some of you know what it was like to be in that state of mind, but quite honestly, because things have been so difficult, you've grown numb. So much so that no amount of prodding, no amount of coaching, no amount of cheerleading from the praise and worship team or the pastor gets any type of response from you. You used to be excited. You used to be reckless with your praise, but, but because of what you've been going through, you're wondering if it even matters. 
The writer is wrestling because he remembers being in the midst of the worshipers and leading a great possession into the house of the Lord and giving thanks. But now he's hanging back in his red chairs, finding difficulty to muster up a praise like he used to do. So then the psalmist continues and he asks himself the question in verse 5, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God again. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I, I want you to see how in the authenticity of the expression of this psalmist, how quickly you can go from despair to determination. I want you to see that there is a place for expression with God where you can be honest about what you're going through, honest about the struggles, honest about your difficulties. You can be honest about all the things that are going on, but yet there should be something in your soul that says, I will yet praise him again. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what problems are in your household. All I know is that sometimes I look out and I wonder. I wonder where we are. I wonder... Uh, if we need to check our battery, uh, but I'm here to tell you that you don't look like what you've been through. I'm here to remind you that the favor of God is still on your life. I'm here to remind you that in the midst of coronavirus, in the midst of political chaos, in the midst of difficulties and world epidemics, that we still serve a God who's worthy to be praised. I'm here to remind you that the same God who did it before is the same God who can do it again. And I know that you're discouraged. I know that you're disappointed. I know that there are some things that haven't happened in your life. But let me invite you during this series of intimacy to get back to the place where you praise God in spite of where you lift up his name in the midst of where you have one desire and that is to worship him even as things get worse your intensity gets stronger so the writer gets to a point he says I will put my hope in God I will praise him again my savior and my God I just want to talk for a few moments from the topic thirst trap I, I want to speak today to those of you who are spiritually dehydrated. As I started earlier, as I stated earlier, it's one thing to want to drink. It's another thing to long for water. You may not realize it, but your body is mostly made up of water. Your brain and heart are 73% water. Your, your brain and your heart are 73% water. Your lungs are 83% water. Your skin is 64% water. Your muscles, your kidneys are 79% water. And overall, the adult human body is about 60% water. Dehydration occurs when you lose more water than you take in. A few symptoms of dehydration include fatigue, confusion, and watch this, the inability to produce tears. I'm here to speak to some of you who are spiritually dehydrated, first natural, then spiritual. You're dealing with spiritual fatigue. You're always tired, even after you sleep. Always exhausted. You got eight hours and you had a vacation. And you thought that by getting away, you were going to come back and be 
working on all cylinders, but, but you're still lagging. Fatigue is a symptom of dehydration. Sometimes our bodies, when they lose water, we get confused. I want to speak to those of you who are spiritually dehydrated and confusion has become common in your life. You used to be able to hear the voice of God and know where he was moving you, but now it seems like you're second-guessing his ability to speak to you. Some of us are spiritually dehydrated and confusion has become common, and more often than not, we have more questions than we have answers. And then I want to speak to those of you who are spiritually dehydrated so much so that you've gotten to the point that you can no longer produce tears because you've cried so many. You are emotionally drained. You've cried so much that you no longer have any tears to produce. Like the psalmist, day and night, tears have been your food. Everybody else may not see this side of you. Because when you wake up on Monday, you wash your face, put your lipstick on, straighten your wig. And you go to work as if nothing is wrong. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're dying. And it's not just the ladies who know how to put on that front. You'll be amazed how many men wrestle with the expression of crying and the expression of motion and sometimes we try to bottle it up because we're trying to be the man but on the inside we need a shoulder to cry on we get to places where we are emotionally exhausted and we feel like we have no more left to give day and night night and day day and night night and day tears have been our food I'm here to inform you that the God that we serve has seen every single tear that you have cried. And although you may feel alone, according to the scripture, those of us who are in Christ are never alone. I'm here to remind you of what the scripture teaches, that we have a God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And it might feel like we're by ourselves, but theologically speaking, we have to hold on to the truth of the scriptures in spite of what we feel. And as we mature in Christ and grow closer to the Lord, it becomes beyond what we feel. Intimacy is not always about a feeling. It's about an understanding. It's about knowing who has your back, knowing who's in your corner, knowing who is your provider, knowing who is your father, knowing who loves you because it's written in his word and it's been confirmed time and time and time and time again. I'm here to remind somebody that God has seen every tear that you cry. Yeah, even behind the makeup, even behind the clothes, even behind the success, even behind all of the things that we hide behind, I serve a God who sees. He knows every single tear that we cry. In fact, in Psalm 56 and 8, David wrote that you keep track of my sorrows. Uh, did you read that? He said, God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected my tears in your bottle and you have recorded each one in your book. I know it blows our mind the attention to detail that God has about our life. But according to scripture, we serve a God who knows every single sorrow we've ever experienced. 
On top of that, the scripture indicates that he collects our tears and stores them in bottles and has recorded each and every tear that we cry in his book. We serve a God who remembers us. In other words, God knows exactly what you're going through. You might be going through the worst struggle of your life. You might be going through the worst season of difficulty in your life. I'm sure if we pass the mic around to hear everybody's struggle, we'd be here until next week because we've all got pain. We've all got problems. Nudge somebody and say, Effie, we've all got pain. We've all got difficulty. We've all got drama. We've all got a little bit of trauma. We've all had some things in our life that have knocked us down. But the whole point of having a God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving is understanding that in the midst of our trials and our tribulations, we don't fight by ourselves. We don't wrestle by ourselves because we have a God who is concerned about us. I want you to continue to worship God in the midst of your weeping. Day and night, tears are your food. Night and day, tears are your food. But I want to encourage you to worship God in the midst of your weeping. Psalm 34 and 5 says, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Can we just take a moment to give God a praise break? Can we just take a moment to give God a praise break? Can we just take a moment to give God a praise break? If you're a saint, that means you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The scripture instructs us to sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. I'm going through my difficulty, my trials, and my tribulations, but when I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me, when I remember his name, when I reflect on the holiness of my God, it gives me an excuse to give him praise. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for life. Now here's the part that gets me excited. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. Day and night, I cried my tears. That might happen for a season, but joy comes in the morning. If you believe that, I need you to shout. In the midst of your tears, I need you to praise, to worship, to find that place of intimacy in the midst of your difficulty. Now be seated because we're not done. I told you the title of today's message is Thirst Trap, but I'm not talking about a worldly thirst trap. See, in the world, a thirst trap is when a person posts a provocative picture because they are desperate for attention. A, a thirst trap is when someone desperately wants people to pay attention to them, so they, you know, they take that camera. I'm not saying any of y'all do this, but they find the right angle. They kind of, you know, push some stuff in, and, and, and they put on something that can cause people to, to stop when they're scrolling. That's the definition of a thirst trap. In the world, a thirst trap is a moment where a person posts a provocative picture because they are desperate for attention. They might wear a revealing outfit or show lots of skin so that when you are scrolling, you stop. In the world, a thirst trap appeals to your lust. 
But I'm not talking about a worldly thirst trap. I'm talking about a godly thirst trap. See, the whole point of this series is to develop our intimacy with God. In the world, people are desperate for attention. But in the kingdom, God is deserving of our attention. In the world, people attempt to provoke us to lust. But in the kingdom, God provokes us to long. As the deer long for the water, so my soul longs after you. So as you're scrolling through the difficulties of life, let me invite you to stop and take advantage of the thirst trap. The spiritual thirst trap. God is trying to get your attention. He's deserving of it. And he wants us to long after him, to pause and to reflect on how wonderful and how satisfying our God is. We got to remember the words of Psalm 42, 1 through 5, which says, As a deer longs for the streams of water, I long for you, O God. I want us to leave this place thirsty for God. Not just thirsty, but desperately thirsty. See, sometimes we say I'm thirsty, but you're not really thirsty because you just had a popsicle. You're not really thirsty because you're looking for juice and you're looking for soda. I'm talking about the type of thirst where you've been in the desert for days. Where you've exhausted every ounce of water in your possession. You've eaten every piece of fruit, every vegetable to try to uh, reestablish a sense of water equilibrium in your body. And you are at the point where you are desperate and about to die. And all you long for is a drink. See, what I found about Christianity is that there's this weird relationship where the longer we walk with God, sometimes the less we desire him. See, that happens in marriages. <laughs> when you saw her, you had a sparkle in your eye. Like, man, she's fine. And then, fellas, you pursued her, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Coming up with all types of corny jokes and stuff. <laughs> Baby, are your legs tired? Because <laughs> you've been running through my mind all day. <laughs> you used to do stuff to pursue her. Because you wanted her. So much so that you wanted to take her hand in marriage. You had a great wedding. A phenomenal honeymoon. But typically somewhere along the marriage journey... Familiarity breeds contempt. And all of a sudden, you don't look at her the same way. See, what should have appealed to you was not her physical. There should have been something emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually connecting with her. Because watch this, as life goes on, the physical doesn't stay. I'm speaking for the guys and the girls, fellas. That dad belly just pops up, love handles. And if it was only the physical that drew you to the person, what happens when the physical is no longer there? There must be an intimacy that is sustained beyond the physical realities of the relationship because you love that person till death 
do your part. And all I'm saying in our relationship with God is easy to start off on fire and to lose our flame. So what the Lord wants to demonstrate today is the importance of desperate thirst. And my heart's desire is that you'll leave out of here looking and seeking for that spiritual thirst trap. Where God arrests your attention, pauses and interrupts your regularly scheduled programming, brings you to a place of intentionality where you have one thing on your mind, which is getting into his presence and brings you to a place where you can just inquire of him and seek his face and not simply his hand. One thing that I desire of the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how many tears you've cried. I don't know the pain that you have in your body. I'm not intimate with the ongoings of what's happening in your household or the craziness that your kids are participating in. But one thing I can provide you with is an opportunity to refresh yourself in his presence. In this moment, I want us to get caught up in the original thirst trap. The world is driven by lust. Lust never satisfies. It draws you in for a moment with a false appeal. Once you get what you desired, you realize it's not everything that it was cracked up to be. But in this moment, God is saying, I am raising up a church that's not driven by lust. What do we lust for as believers? We lust for sometimes power and position. We lust for success. We lust for people to recognize us and to see that we are important. We lust after better circumstances. And God is saying in this hour, I need you to set aside your lust and replace it with a longing. I need you to long after me as the deer panteth for the water. So my soul longeth after thee. Lord, I am so thirsty for you that I will tarry in your presence. I will linger in your glory. I won't just rush out into a busy world, but I'm going to create space, time, and opportunity just to, just to get caught up in you. See, when you really, really love someone, it's not a struggle to spend time with them because you're just so into them. And God is saying, I want you to be into me. Intimacy into me, says the Lord. You want intimacy? Then get into me. Hallelujah.